So I wonder if you've ever had the experience, um, maybe, maybe you've been watching uh, a particular film or, a, I don't know, the latest TV drama series, you've been watching it with a few other people, uh, maybe your household, maybe with some friends, and it's been good, but you've kind of struggled to get the storyline. Do, do you know what I mean? It's not that it was rubbish and you just switched off and you kind of just didn't want to pay attention. It was quite good. You've enjoyed it. And the people you've been watching with seem to enjoy it as well. And it's not as if you didn't understand anything. I mean, you got some of the stuff, but, but you know, if I were to ask you what was it about, you would you'd struggle to kind of explain it. And perhaps, you know, you're, you're aware the people you were watching this film or this TV drama with, well, they, they've enjoyed it. They seem to know what's going on. Uh, and so you kind of keep quiet and you carry on. I wonder if you've had that experience. And I just wonder sometimes, I just wonder if sometimes that can be our experience, not with a film or a TV drama, but with communion, with the Lord's Supper. We know it's important, but maybe sometimes we find it hard to articulate it. Perhaps we think everybody else around us, well, they've all got it. Now, I'd love to say today I'm going to answer every question there has ever been about the Lord's Supper and communion. Um, if you leave here more confused uh, than before, I apologize. That's certainly not my intention. Uh, but I, my prayer is that we uh, come from here uh, thoroughly encouraged. Uh, we're coming uh, to the end of uh, four weeks we spent uh, looking at those great gifts that our Lord Jesus gave to his church. The gift of baptism, the gift of the Lord's Supper of communion. Uh, we sometimes call them the sacraments. Uh, and... I mean, thinking through, what, what are they all about? And what part do they have to play in the life of our church here at St. Luke's? Uh, we've heard in previous weeks how, how baptism is that, that mark of being joined to Jesus for the first time and belonging to his people. Uh, baptism, just, just as this morning, I hope all of us, uh, some parts of our bodies may have touched water. Whether you've had a shower, a bath or a wash or just washed your hands. Uh, so, so as water makes us clean on the outside, uh, faith in Jesus uh, through baptism makes us clean on the inside from our sins because Jesus has died for us. It's that picture of being joined to Jesus' death as we get down into the water and being joined into his life as we're raised up again. Marking the entrance into the life of the church. It's why baptism isn't just about getting people wet. It involves water, but it involves the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It involves faith, faith and trust in Jesus. That's how promises are received. It won't come as any surprise to you that you'll have to wash your hands again. You'll probably have another shower, maybe tomorrow morning. But we, once we're baptized, it's once. happens once. Uh, that picture uh, of faith in that moment, declaring us to be right with God, our past sins forgiven, uh, our present sins forgiven, our future sins forgiven. And alongside baptism and that status uh, as belonging to Jesus, uh, Jesus gave us another sign, another sacrament. He gave us a meal. And this one we repeat again and again and again. Uh, we heard, uh, read from Matthew 26, didn't we? Uh, that first time this 
meal happened with Jesus and his friends? Well, actually, they were diving into an ancient meal, the Passover uh, meal. As Jewish people, they'd gone to Jerusalem uh, because that's where you went to celebrate Passover. And as they sat down uh, to this meal, Jesus says, in this moment of celebration, one of you, one of my friends, one of you is going to betray me. So we have this celebratory meal that suddenly gets very serious. They combine together and then Jesus, we're told, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. When he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And just as in baptism, the water used is simply water. And, and so the bread and the wine used for communion is simply bread. It's simply wine. And yet, when God's people gather together, when bread and wine are received by faith, the bread and the wine become powerful ways God communicates his love for us in Jesus. And so this morning, all I, all I want to do is to take a couple of moments to do two things. Uh, one is just to think about what is, what is at the heart of communion and what's to be going on in our hearts at communion. So, so what's at the, the heart of communion? And, that, and that's where we, we come to our second reading. Uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it feels as though we sort of just parachuted randomly into a conversation that Paul's having uh, with these Christians, this church in Corinth. Uh, the context is, is they're asking questions about, is it okay for us to eat certain kinds of food, particularly meat that's been involved in uh, worship of other gods in other temples and then get sold? Is it okay for us to eat it? Uh, and if you want to dive into that conversation, you know, read chapters um, 8, 9, and 10 of, of 1 Corinthians. But as part of his argument, Paul turns to the Lord's Supper. Uh, and he just unpacks for us what's going on at communion, what's at the heart of it. And if you've got your Bible still open, I, mean, I think it's page 1151, have a look at verse 16. There's a word that pops up twice in there. And that gets us to the heart of what's going on at communion. It says, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Participation. That's at the heart of communion, to share together. Uh, the Greek word that's translated, participation, is the word koinonia, uh, which, where we get the idea of fellowship from, a togetherness. But it's also through the way words develop, the way we get the word communion itself. Communion is about participating in Christ, participating in the blood of Christ and the body of Christ. Now, let's be clear, and I think we heard this from Rob last week, the, the bread and the wine don't suddenly change somehow because we say a prayer. No. Instead, through trusting Jesus... When we come to eat and drink, it's as if we're looking beyond what we can touch, what we can taste, to what the bread and wine represent. We're looking at Jesus' body and his blood. As we eat and drink, trusting Jesus, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, if you like, lifts our hearts to where Jesus is now. 
But where is Jesus right now? We're told he's seated in the heavenly realms. And do you know who's seated with him? We are. I'm, I'm sitting in a church building in Thurnby. And yet, spiritually, at the same time, we are so joined with Jesus through faith, we're sitting with him. It's as if the Holy Spirit lifts us up there and says, this is who you belong to. Why? Because he died for you, because of his body broken and his blood shed for you. We participate in his death. His death was so that we could be forgiven. Now imagine uh, most of us, but probably not all of us, have had some breakfast this morning. Uh, and without going into a full biology lesson, my question to you is, uh, what has happened to your breakfast? When you all suddenly start looking at your tummies. It's gone in there, hasn't it? It gets digested. Uh, why do we eat? Because it strengthens our bodies physically. You're strengthened physically by what you eat. And the bread and the wine, well, they, they don't change. But when we eat and drink them trusting Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes us. He strengthens us, not just physically, but spiritually. If you like, our souls are strengthened by the bread and the wine. Think about it a bit like um, this. Um, I want you to imagine, uh, and apologies if this feels close to home for anyone, um, just imagine that you are, you're in a hospital bed. You've been there for a few days. And somebody who's very precious to you, somebody you love, comes. And they want to communicate to you how much they love you. How might they do that? I guess the most obvious way we would do that is to say it. You're lying there in the hospital bed and the person just reminds you, I love you. Aren't those words so reassuring? They're so wonderful to receive and to hear. But then after they said, I love you, they, they take your hand and hold it. Doesn't that communicate the same thing? And in fact, if you think about our relationships, our, our most precious relationships, if all we ever say is, I love you, but never show it physically, that's a bit strange. If, only, if we only ever show, kind of, if we only ever held someone's hand that we loved and never said, I love you, that would be a bit strange. We need both. And when we gather together for a communion service, we hear God's word in the Bible saying, I love you. And then we experience his touch saying, I love you through bread and through wine. Why do I need that? Why do I need that? Because I need to be strengthened as a follower of Jesus. I know that in Christ, I'm a new person. I belong to him. I am joined to him. There is nothing that can separate me from him. And do I sometimes struggle with following Jesus? Yes. Do I sometimes feel like I need to hide stuff from God? Yes. I hope I'm not the only one answering these questions. <laughs> yes. Do I sometimes go through hard times and ask the Lord, why? Yes. Do I sometimes wonder whether really God's love is really real for me? Yes. Do I sometimes feel weak and weary physically and spiritually? Yes. That's why Jesus gave us bread and wine. To strengthen us, to, to renew us, to refresh us, to reassure us. The heart of communion is participation in Christ, in his death for us, so that we might know just how loved we are.
So that's the heart of communion. What is it that goes on in our hearts at communion? Well, I think there are, there are three things. And again, they're in those two verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. That The three things it says that we do. The first one's there in verse 16. What's the first thing we do? We give thanks. We give thanks. Even before we've received anything, we approach joyfully. Blessing God, giving thanks to him. This is a meal Jesus freely gives to us. This is not God rewarding us and saying, well done for doing a great job. This, this is a meal to strengthen rescued, wobbly, worried people. And do you see, that means there is joy here. I think often we do the, the seriousness of communion very well. Sometimes we need to find the joy. We approach with thanksgiving. The meal which uh, Jesus, when Jesus first took the bread and the wine, as I said, is, was the Passover meal, a meal of celebration. Uh, Jesus says that cup of thanksgiving is the cup of the covenant. He says, this is the cup of God's promise. This is a cup that, that, that is about God rescuing people, about setting people free, about forgiving people. And that's why the first part of our time of communion is, is a prayer that whoever's at the front will lead. And we'll do that in a few minutes. And as I say some of those words and you join in with other words, just take note how often the word thanks and the word praise come up. And let that make your heart rejoice. So the first thing we do in our hearts is we give thanks. The second one... Um, Flows out again from verse 16. We break. We break the bread. And okay, there might only be one of us at the front breaking the bread in that moment, but, but we're doing it corporately. We're doing it together. What's going on in our hearts at that moment is as we break, we, we're remembering. We're remembering Jesus' body was broken for us on the cross, just, just like the bread is before us. And maybe the temptation in that moment is to feel broken ourselves. Realizing just how far God went in sending his son to die for us, for our sins. But actually, we're not to feel broken inside. As we, as we break bread, we're, we're remembering that Jesus was broken so that we could be whole again. It's a moment to remember that through faith we belong to Jesus. And we have been made whole. So we come uh, eat to eat bread and drink wine with our eyes firmly set on, on Jesus, trusting him. Nothing else, no one else. And so it's worth just thinking, what, what do we do in that time when we're coming up to receive communion and then sitting back down whilst others come up? Uh, sometimes in, in some services, in some churches, uh, there's a song or a hymn. And I find it incredibly helpful to, to join in it and, and to sing because it, it captures that giving thanks. It helps you recognize the, I don't know, just how important this moment is. As it says in Colossians, you know, let the word of Christ dwell richly in your hearts as you teach and admonish one another. How do we do that? Uh, through psalms, song, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's not, our, that's not what we tend to do here in this service. And, and that's okay. Perhaps uh, it's just having that passage that you, we, we've read in the Bible open and going, what is it about Jesus I'm seeing here that I need to treasure? Or maybe it's as simple as, instead of having your head down, having your head up, 
and recognizing in the room brothers and sisters in Christ, giving them a smile. Uh, and lastly, uh, if we give thanks, we break. The third one is in verse 17. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all share the one loaf. We all share. And uh, slightly differently to, to usual this morning, you'll see that we do have a big loaf of bread. Um, it's not because I'm expecting you all to eat a huge amount of bread this morning, but it's, it's a helpful picture for us. Just as there is one bread, so there is one people of God. That means the third part of communion is, is we come up together to eat bread, to drink wine. Now, practically, we, we do this one by one by one, and we do it in a particular place. We do it up there because there's space. Or sometimes uh, some will receive in their, in their seats. But it's important to remember that when we come to eat and drink, it's not just about me and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus. Now, does that mean it's right, therefore, for absolutely everybody in this room to receive that bread and wine? Well, if your faith is in Jesus, then absolutely yes. But it might not be for everybody because baptism needs to come first. If you think about it, baptism is the sign of joining the family. Communion is the family meal. It would be strange to be trying to play a part in the family when you haven't actually belonged to the family. It would be out, about out of order, wouldn't it? Not out of order as in, that's out of order. But we've just got it the wrong way around. Why would we want to be strengthened in the faith if we've not yet stood there and been like, I am somebody who belongs to Jesus? And I realize this, this is probably more geared towards the next service, but I think it's an important thing to, to, to talk about. As a Church of England church, an Anglican church, where we baptize people of all ages, including children, uh, wanting to include children of believers uh, as, as those who belong to the community of faith, uh, until they either stand up and say, this, this is my faith, or, or they say, no, it's not. Well, is it okay for children? You've been baptized to receive bread and wine. I don't think there's any age limit talked about in the Bible. I think to eat the bread and the wine, it seems to go along with some kind of understanding of being a Christian and faith in Jesus. We need to understand what it's about giving thanks and it's about breaking the bread and that being a picture of Jesus' body and blood that we all share together. And it's why when there are children present at communion, we'll often invite them to come up in their households, um, to receive a prayer of blessing. So they're included, but they might not be ready to receive the bread and the wine yet. In the Church of England, and I suspect many of you this will have been the route for you, confirmation has marked that point where you've owned your faith for yourself and started to receive the bread and the wine. That tends to happen um, kind of age 12 and above. But, but is, there, is, there, is there room before that? Well, the Church of England would say, Yes, and there is provision uh, for the baptized children to receive communion before confirmation. Normally after the age of five or so. Um, and I've got a, a letter that Bishop Martin's written kind of explaining some of the, the, the reasonings for that. I meant to print a few off before I got here. I haven't done it yet. But if you'd like a copy to read, I can certainly supply you with one. And, and it just outlines some of the steps we take. If, if that's something we as a church would like to see, Maybe we've got parents of, of people that age uh, who are requesting it. The PCC, first of all, would agree that that's something we'd want to do. Uh, and then we'd have conversation with parents. 
And we'd, we'd look to, uh, in their households with the children, kind of do a bit of preparation. And then we would take a moment in our service, in, in a service, to kind of mark uh, that they've started to receive the bread uh, and the wine. Again, if you want to know more about that, if you want to read uh, Bishop Martin's document on that, then, then, then please do come and have a, a conversation. But it's important to kind of go through that because we give thanks, we break, and we all share. That's what is going on in, the, in our hearts uh, at communion. Why? Because of what the heart of communion is. It's participation in the body and the blood of Christ. It's our being joined to Jesus through his death. It's to strengthen us. And so my prayer for you and for me this morning as we receive bread and wine is that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, knowing the depth of God's love for you in Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of bread and wine that Jesus has given to us, his church. I pray this morning that you would strengthen us through it. You would help us to receive trusting fully in Jesus. We would know who we belong to. We would know the one who gave up everything for us. And by that touch, by that bread, by that wine, we would know again the depth of love that you have for us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.